So, Ian, why should people listen to episode 98 of HubShots? We talk all about ranking opportunities in HubSpot, how to take advantage of Google My Business, and reporting the things that matter. Welcome to HubShots, the podcast for marketing managers and sales professionals who use HubSpot. My name's Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is my co-host Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Really good. And I'll also say, coming up in Shot 8, we actually talk about this cool tool for finding the perfect time to send emails to people with specific job titles. It's actually a winner. Fantastic. All right, Craig, on to Shot 1, our inbound thought of the week. And this we're going to talk about is the new HubSpot blog after they've had the redesign. And the first time we saw it was on a desktop and I thought, oh, it looks rather strange. But then you very aptly pointed out to me, probably majority of their traffic is mobile and it looks fantastic on a, on a mobile device. Yeah, well, you and I have a different response to the desktop experience. I actually kind of like it, but you feel that, and I can see why, that the image at the top looks a bit out of alignment. Yes. So, whereas I don't mind it that much, but maybe that's just the way I look at it. But I, I'll tell you what I really like about it. You go down, it's, it's much more like a newspaper. It's it like the media sites. It's not a blog so much. It's a bit like, like an article. It's a bit like it's actually better than Medium, I think. Yeah. Although it's okay. taken cues from that. But yeah. if you go to say any uh, Washington Post or any big New York Times, they'll have callouts. They'll have side bits. They'll have. It's much more rather than a just down the page mm. on the desktop layout. It's very much. It's a richer experience. I really like it. And although it does look great on mobile, you do lose some of that aspect. But yeah, it's I. I think this is the future, right? That's what, yes. That's what it's all about, user experience. We're going to chat about for a bit about that later in uh, Shot 5 as well. All right, Craig, on to Shot 2, which is our HubSpot marketing feature of the week. And we look at a part of the keyword tool that's often overlooked and forgotten, and it's the ranking opportunities. So this is something, as you're in keyword, you actually select, there's a little drop-down where you actually select ranking opportunities. It actually gives you an idea of what opportunities there are for you to rank. Now, you might already be having great content around these topics or keywords, and this might actually highlight opportunities where you can actually build more content that will actually bolster your ranking and get in front of the right people. Yeah, look, it's a really nice little tool and a tip to use because often as SEOs, we will do this. We'll use tools like SEMrush or Ahrefs, and we get a list of keywords, and then we say, okay, What's our current rank for them? Oh, and what? Uh, how competitive are they? How difficult are they? Then we order by, oh, we've kind of got ranking on page two, and if it's less competitive, we can get it to page one. And that's a whole lot of work we do in spreadsheets. Yes. It's great when you just go to the Cumpspot keyword tool and it's right there in one click, isn't it? Yes. Nice reminder. All right. So your action, go to the keyword tool and find some opportunity that you can build on. On to our marketing tip of the week, Craig. And so this, we're going to talk about, um, I guess it's a reporting hack from Databox. And we've both started using Databox for our agencies and for customers to actually give real-time data in their hands on a daily basis. And what, what this is, is about aggregating multiple HubSpot reports into a single dashboard. Yeah, so there's a few ways to look this. By the way, Databox, we love Databox, and we've mentioned a few times on the show, but... Um Great post by Pete Caputo recently about inbound marketing changing. And uh, just uh, just want to uh, let you know that uh, coming up in episode 101, we'll be chatting about that further with a special guest. So look out, look out for that. But yeah, back to your point. So Databox, you can actually combine different... Uh, actually, there's two things you can do that are really nice. Uh, you can combine different data sources, so HubSpot from different portals yes. into a report. And you can actually 
combine different sources like Google Analytics and HubSpot and others into one dashboard. And that's the one that you're talking about as well. It's quite nice. It's very flexible. And these are some of the features that people don't realize about Databox because quite often a template is just based on one source. They use a template and they don't realize there's all this other power and flexibility there. So I've got a link there to a video by a guy from an agency where he talks it through. It's really, really useful. Absolutely. And if you want to see some live data, go to zen.com.au and you'll actually see Databox embedded on Craig's homepage. Yeah. So what we did here is we actually combined, we actually did some calculated fields based on different HubSpot portals. That you manage. To pull, yeah, that we manage that to pull their visits, their leads and their customers uh, into a real-time dashboard. So if you want to see the results we're getting for our customers that's real-time, you can actually go to our homepage and check it out. And we've embedded a Databox dashboard on, on the page. So um, Absolutely. Go check it out. Check it out. All right, Craig, on to our HubSpot sales feature of the week. Now, this is partially part to do with Google My Business. So Google My Business now has the ability to add appointment URLs to your business listing, which is fantastic. Again, like we understand, people will really want to be able to talk to sales or talk to someone in the business and to do it easily without trying to hunt them down. What we're going to highlight here is, A, you can put that link in, but what we've done is actually used the meetings feature within HubSpot and you've created a page You've embedded your meeting link and then you've actually put the link to that in the Google My Business listing, right? So when you search for your business, it actually comes up directly there and then you can take them straight to your page where they can book book an appointment with you, which I think is a great, great thing. So I would encourage people to do that. Take advantage of these features that very few people will probably be utilizing and get ahead of the competition. I will say Google My Business, it, it just seems that this year they've done so much to that. It just used to be a business listing. Oh, yeah, a few categories, yes. a few images. It seems every week they're revamping it. And we've got one that we'll be chatting about next week in, exactly. in our show as well about another really cool feature that they've added. So Google My Business, if you haven't been on top of that to date, now's the time to really get it under Absolutely. control. All right, Craig, on to our opinion of the week. You can't regulate against a monopoly on user experience. And I thought this is a really good piece of content on episode 120 of Exponent. Yes. Talk, talk us through this. Yeah, so Exponent is the podcast that uh, Ben Thompson and James Olworth co-host. Ben Thompson runs a site called Stratechery, which is a daily observation of the tech industry. And I, I just love his content. I'm a subscriber. He does have a free piece each week, but I daily it's a paid subscription, which I actually subscribe to and we've mentioned it i think in some of our really early episodes about i just i just love his the way he thinks and this particular piece is addressing the uh, antitrust cases against google and tech companies that are arising and particularly europe and in that case in some ways it was against google actually doing things wrong but he actually takes the bigger picture and says well you know antitrust was really something that was brought in as legislation against big companies that used an infrastructure monopoly to abuse their position. So typically, you know, cable companies are a good example of that, telcos are another, yep. where they have a very expensive infrastructure and then they use that to... The control. To control and yep. abuse their position. And uh, that's where antitrust laws make a lot of sense. And they're right, they protect consumers, they're a good thing. But he's saying you can't actually legislate against user experience. And then when you look at companies like Google and Facebook, and I guess Apple is one of the one of the examples, but I'm particularly thinking about Facebook. It's such a sticky interface. It's such a good user experience. 
that people want, they choose to use it. So they're not forced to. And there's not a monopoly position that forces people to use it. So his point is really good. And it's almost the differentiator now. This is what's changing between industries previously and now the tech companies. If they control the user experience so well, there's no way that their dominance can be legislated against. So keep that in mind. One, for your own businesses, right? User experience is a differentiator and it's a way to keep people sticky. But then I often think, why is HubSpot making these little tweaks, even with settings? You know, you go into settings and they say, oh, we've just changed the design. And I'm like, they've got, you know, they've got so many things they could choose to be working on new features. And yet they're putting a whole lot of resource into just tweaking the colors and fonts in the settings section. Why would they do that? Here's why. That's an insight because user experience is so important that it's the way that you keep people and retain them and there's nothing that anyone can do to legislate against that. So as long as you get that in place. And it is a differentiator in a way because with the resources that HubSpot now has, they can apply that resource to it. So I look at that and I think, well, I'm a small player. But if a big player is doing that and putting so much focus on it, I can learn from that because that's the way. And we'll talk about this next week when we talk about customer service. This whole idea about providing the user experience that is excellent will keep your, uh, not only keep your customers, but also increase referrals. And that's exactly what HubSpot's doing. Yeah, so I mean, I'll give you another example. Zero has been a great one that has actually done that in the Australian New Zealand space. Zero, the uh, accounting, accounting practice. Yes. Yeah. And I think one of the things I want to highlight is that it's a great email that you sent me from Avinash Kashik. And he was uh, actually saying, why do people love Uber, right? And his opinion was it removes anxiety. So he talks about, you know, it obviously solves all these problems, but really at the core of it, it removes the anxiety from someone hailing what would have they would have had to hail down a, a cab or a taxi, you know, trying will to... Will it come? Will where it is come? It? Exactly. You know, what? how much is it going to cost me? Do I need to give the guy a tip? You know, can I... There's so many things that are associated with it. And I think he really hits the core, which is alleviating anxiety at the core of it all. I think that's right. And he actually says... Um, most people, if you say what's so good about Uber, they'll say, oh, it's convenient. And I think he makes an excellent point. No, it's that, it reduces anxiety. And that's right. Good user experience, in a way, reduces anxiety as well. Exactly. All right, Craig, on to our business lesson of the week. This is a ripper that you sent through, uh, a video. Yeah, that's nice right. One. So I encourage everyone to actually look at this video, watch this video. It goes for about four and a half minutes. It's from Noah Kagan, and he talks about doing proactive dashboarding. And I think we had a discussion about this and it's nothing complicated and fancy. Like you run stuff off a spreadsheet. And I think the key thing here is, is understanding what you can proactively control. So for example, as a marketing manager, you can proactively control the blog posts you produce, the video content you produce, the email marketing you send. So what he's saying that you can control those inputs into getting a result. So if you want to see your marketing or your reach or your conversions grow you need to be doing a certain amount of work so to speak right what you can't control is how many people click on a link in an email and anything that they've so if they've got to pick up the phone and talk to someone they've got to fill out a form you can't control that that's that's out of your control so i think to get the best possible result is about actually controlling and monitoring those inputs that you have the ability to control to get the result that you want Right. So let, just let, let me just check I've got this right. So by a proactive dashboard, he's saying, 
highlight those items that you control, you might have the end result as well reported there. Yeah. But really the KPIs are around the things that you control. Exactly. So, for example, say we've done this month, we've done 10 blog posts, right? We kind of go, hang on, we haven't quite got the same amount of traffic as we did last month. Okay, maybe we need to do more promotion, more paid promotion of what we've done this month. So that's something proactive that you can do because you're actually monitoring what's going on and, and making a change as opposed to waiting till the end of the month and go, oh, yeah, we published 10 blog posts, but we only got half the amount of traffic. So you can actually do something because you're actually monitoring those inputs. Yeah, I thought that was a really good one. And also, especially when it comes to reporting for sales teams, you know, this is often where it gets, oh, they report on things um, that aren't actually an input. So the things you can control are how many calls you make and how many uh, outreach emails you send, whereas how many people open them, yeah. It might be good to know that, but don't make that your KPI. Correct, exactly. All right, Craig, on to our podcast of the week. Well, I thought we'd just highlight that exponent podcast that we talked about yes. in our opinion of the week. So we've got a link to it there. Uh, check it out. It's a good discussion. Um, James Allworth, by the way, he's an Australian guy. So he's in the States now and he's uh, one of those brainiacs. Good to see another Aussie. Yeah, one of those brainiacs. He's, uh, I think he works at, he's uh, contributed on Harvard Business Review and things like that. Super, super brainy thinker. Uh, and he's one of the hosts. Yeah, go and check it out. Yep, so go check out episode 120 if, what, if that's what you're looking for. All right, Craig, on to our resource of the week. And this is a cool tool for checking the best time to send emails to a recipient. And this is from growbots.com. Yeah, this is really cool. And I was trying to find, I was trying to recall how I actually discovered this. I think it might have been on the inbound.org app. Yeah, right. Which we're talking about a couple of episodes. Ago. I think it was featured there. But Now, if you are a marketing manager, I'm going to digress here. Make sure you do get the inbound.org app. And because I've just found, I signed up, I think at inbound a few years ago, hardly ever used it. And now that I have the app, I actually go there regularly to actually read what's going on and contribute. So I think that's the benefit of having it. You know what? I've been using the app the last couple of weeks, and I will say I'm I'm underwhelmed with it. You're underwhelmed? Yeah, I like that you can search on that, but when you click through to an article, I yes, just you're think still going the browser through. experience is not great because I quite often like to view something and then I might save it, or I might put it in a Slack channel. And I think the features or the tools functions for that were limited. I can't. But I've, I've stopped using it. I actually prefer the desktop experience. But I still recommend inbound.org. And if you're just searching, it's a good way just to flick through um, yeah. the app. So, you know, so again, when you're this is a perfect example yeah. of the way I consume content and when I consume content to the way you consume content. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Anyway, so the point of this oh, is yeah, yeah. make sure... <laughs> So we've got a link to this, growbots.com. It actually tells you the best time to send email and you can actually set what sort of company size, what time zone you're in, and you can actually see a graph and actually figure out what is the best time to send it. Yeah, it's really cool. So we've got a screenshot of an example and uh, we just chose um, Australian companies between uh, 1 and 200 in size and the marketing manager. I want to target the marketing manager. And uh, what, what, when do you think we should send it? Here, what, the result I thought was surprising. So, listener, think if, if you were targeting a marketing manager in a, in a tech company in Australia, what time would you think is the best time to send an email? I would have thought probably Tuesday, Craig. Yeah, right. But coming back to the results here, it actually says sending it at 7.45 a.m. on a Friday morning, you'll get the highest open rates. And by far, yeah. I know, and it's massive. Like, you look at the graph, you go... Wow, that's like off the charts. Yeah, that's right. So, guess what time we're going to be sending out our hotshots reminder emails on Friday? 
There you go. <laughs> All right, Craig, on to our quote of the week. And this is not really a quote, but I'm going to go through it. it it's from Seth Godin, and it's his post about waves of free. I'm going to read this out to you and highlight to you the bit that I really loved. When someone lets you into the flow of traffic or holds the door or takes a second to acknowledge you, it's possible to smile and offer a wave in response. This, of course, costs you nothing. It creates a feeling of connection, which is valuable. It makes it more likely that people will treat someone else well in the future. And it might just brighten your day. And here is the clincher. The simplest antidote to a tough day is generosity. Waves are free and smiles are an irresistible bonus. It's a great point. I, I love Seth, uh, you know, most of the time, as you know. This is another example of excellent, excellent thinking. You know, when he said, you know, someone that's into traffic, I, wouldn't it be great? And I, I'm not the first to mention this by any stretch, but you know how people have said, oh, it'd be nice to have a horn on your car, not only the sorry horn. The sorry horn is when you do something wrong and you just want to say sorry. Yes. But the thank you horn. Just yeah, like, you know, just like <laughs> because a horn is such a negative thing. But if you just had the, the actually, thank you it's horn. not. You know what? In Asia, they use horns in all different ways. Oh right. And sometimes it can be thank you for letting me in, into this oh, right. space, or letting people know thanks very much. You know, right. So it is interesting you well, say that. We've, in our old car, it's, the horn's just this annoying. <laughs> it's like quite an abrupt kind of thing. Anyway, but, on that note, well, we have come to the end. We have come to the end of our episode. We'd love you to join us on our WhatsApp <laughs> chat, on our Facebook group, and we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes because that would really help us. I want to mention one other thing. We've got bonus links in the show. Yes, right? we do. Now... I actually think sometimes these bonus links are the best reading. And, you know, one person, I wish it was more people, one person said to me, you know why I love getting the email because they've subscribed on the, on, yes. the, on the site is because I get the email it's got the bonus links. I just want to know the bonus links that you guys, yeah, right. you know, because ex- we have so many great stuff, great uh, items that we want to feature, but these are the ones we don't get around yes. to. So, you know, we've got- and I think with a lot of these links, there's a bit of substance behind it. Wait, you should probably sit down, consume it, and actually take one thing out of there and implement it. That's really the key. Yeah. So if you want to see the things that we're reading that are valuable but we couldn't include in the show, sign up to get the show notes and, uh, yeah, check it, check it out. Well, Craig, until next time. Catch you later, Ian. Thank you for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes, resources, HubSpot news, including practical strategies you can implement, visit us at hubshots.com. I don't think they wanted to hear more about the, the horn. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha